In light of COVID-19, Sport Calgary has compiled together a directory of webinars and digital events to help you stay connected in the Calgary sport community. Learn more at sportcalgary.ca. Well, hello. How are you? Glad you could be here. I'm your podcasting pal, uh, your podcasting friend, uh, Rob Kerr. Welcome to the original Six Feet Conversation podcast for Sport Calgary uh, as we continue effort, if you will, to tell the stories of sport, people in sport, and the history of sport in Calgary, uh, and uh, just wherever we can, uh, give some positive, uh, and in, in many cases, talk to leaders, and we're certainly going to do that today. Um, often, I will say, you know, to start and preface the podcast that, well, you know, in full disclosure, there's a connection here, and there is definitely a connection here today. Uh, our guest is someone who I've had the uh, pleasure and the honor of working with uh, for the better part of a decade on many community initiatives. Um, absolutely in awe of her leadership, her energy, uh, her vision, and the way she does things. Now, again, can't say this enough. Uh, we we work under the same umbrella. Um, we have partnered on many projects, uh, camps that I've done, uh, initiatives that we've done. Um, and as, as somebody who sits at Sport Calgary, they, uh, she's been a direct partner with Sport Calgary, uh, as someone who sits on the uh, Active City uh, uh, collective uh, group. Uh, she's been a huge part of that as well, uh, ties with Kidsport and Comries, and, and certainly she's shown a strong leadership and strong connection there. So I'm a big fan uh, most people, I think, in the sporting world in Calgary know her. Most people in the charitable world would know her. Uh, she's Candace Gowdy, the Executive Director of Charitable Foundations and Community Investment for CSEC, or the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation. Uh, she has one of the most infectious laughs in all of the world. Um, she's got a huge heart, and I'm a big fan. And again, can't say it enough how, how lucky I've been to, to work with her, and I can't wait to, to share the conversation with you because she's a real leader. And, and I think we get into that in this in this chat. So, Candice, coming up, before I do that, uh, not sure what sports are provided in Calgary? Sport Calgary Sport Directory will help you find the sport and sport organizations that's right for you. Visit sportcalgary.ca to learn more. Here we go, one-on-one with Candice Gowdy. I just, it's just so much sitting. I like, like to get up and pace when we're on phone calls, so... Anyway. Well, no, I mean, that's, listen, that's a great place to start. I mean, I'm already recording, so we may as well keep going. Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. No, no, it's it's fine because, you know, when you start the podcast, the beginning of it is like, oh, this is just happening. How are you, you know, the pandemic? What are you doing? Now we're three months into it. Like, we we, we pretty much have a routine. We have our pandemic routine. But I also know, Mm -hmm. to your point... You know, I'd come by your office. You have the this. What do they call the thing where the you stand up to type, right? Yeah, the standing desk. The standing desk. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What, what do you call the standing desk? Yes, the standing desk. But it it really does. Like it, it's amazing to me that I've never used this before. We've never had these calls before, but now it, mm-hmm. it's what we do all the time, right? Totally. And we'll probably continue to do so, right? Like there's so many adjustments and adaptations that people in offices and businesses and everybody's made that they'll keep some of it. You know, I know that we've adopted a lot of things that we'll just continue to do. Yeah. I mean, it is a terrible thing, a lot of it, um, health-wise and business-wise, but there's some good habits that are emerging. Okay. And I want to maybe pry a little bit into the personal side, speaking of good things, as a new mom... This has mm-hmm. been an interesting adaptation. 
I, I would say I wouldn't say challenge, but opportunity for you, Candace. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a challenge and an opportunity. I mean, especially the first bit where you're trying to figure out how to work full time with a young child at home. But so many people did it, and it's just like become really normal for your kid to be screaming in the back or playing in the back or popping in on their on your screenshots. And um, you know, I know this seems like forever, but it's not, and it's a unique time to spend with your families. And I've just really loved the extra time with her. Yeah. So it's uh, whether that's just one on one time, and we're not doing the things that we would normally be doing, or going to places we normally would be going, or having her during the day. Um, yeah, I'm really soaking it in. But mm-hmm. how 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 have you adapted to it? And that's the, you know, I think of the legacy of what we're going through, how we adapt to things. You, you know, we're not beholden to the old mantra of nine to five or anything like that, right? Yeah, I mean, you prioritize prioritize what's important during your workday, um, and obviously everything's got to get done. But you just work differently, whether you get up early um, or really early, or stay up really late. You know, I um, work quite late at night. For you know, to make up for some of those days that she's awake, uh, or hours that she's awake during the day, um, my parents are helping now, so that's quite helpful. But it's just, um, and that's okay, you know. At the beginning, I'm like, well, what else are you gonna do at night? So, um, yeah, so it works, and yeah, it's been really, it's been really good. Honestly, we're really good. So it's funny. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said to a couple people, like two weeks in, this this is the greatest thing in the whole world. I love working from home. I hate working from home. I want back in the office in the worst way. Where do you come down on that particular subject? You know, I really struggled with it right away. I mean, there was just so much shock to everything, right? It was just so shocking, all of it, the onset, um, you know, of the scope and size and magnitude of the impact. Uh, so there was just so much going on there mentally and physically when you're staying at home to work. So it was a really difficult adjustment. I had a really, really, really hard time. Um, and now I think, you know, humans are funny. You adapt and you move on and you adjust. And right now I think you would talk to most people. I obviously miss the office. I miss people. I miss that social interaction and the lunches and the coffees and, you know, the ability to bounce ideas off other people around you. You know, I miss the collaboration of that setting. Uh, but I think that there's lots of people who when we go back to an office setting and lots of people are starting to, will be like, oh, whoa, 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 I just was getting used to this and now I just, I will need to adapt all over again. I know um, that that will be the case for a lot of us. I, I'm mm-hmm. just going out on a limb, but I would suggest that one of the advantages for you in all of this is nosy middle managers from junior hockey teams just don't poke their nose in your office and ask for stuff as much. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy those pop-ins for sure, but it is, yeah, there yeah. is a different level of productivity when you're working at home, and you don't have that same social interaction, right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. I'm really getting a lot done. From the, so. the, what has the last three months been like from a foundation standpoint? Um, there's mm-hmm. clearly no playbook for this. None of us were, we might have been basic you know, might might have been thinking, but I'm not sure we were thinking for all of what this would entail. So, what? How would you describe your last three months? Yeah, you know, working in the not-for-profit sector and working, you know, for all four of our charities, so the Place Foundation, primarily, and the Hedman Foundation, and the Stamp Foundation, and the Roughneck Foundation. I mean, it's a it's a variety of things. It's just it's very rare, and I don't know if we could think of a time 
ever in which something has happened that literally impacted everyone. Every walk of life, every person in the city, every person in this world, um, our entire community. So just the far-reaching length, uh, the broadness of the impact, it it was, you know, it's very overwhelming for people and everybody um, thinks about different things and different needs, whether that's all of the businesses, whether that's employees who are losing their jobs, whether that's the rise in domestic violence and the rise in need for mental health services or food mobilization like the the area of need is so was so is and was so significantly immediate um immediately that it's you know working for charities like we do it was you know it can be a bit overwhelming you know there's we're not prepared for this where do we start all of those different things so um you know we spent the last three months trying to be as supportive as we can in different areas and identifying, you know, we identified uh, four phases for our support plan, which was, or which it, which is um, response, relief, recovery, and rebuild. So, you know, we're sort of, we're moving into stage three now as far as what our charity and organization is doing, but um, the response stage was just that. It was responding immediately uh, you know, we distribute over a million dollars to 15 different charities that we felt were delivering services in areas that were uh, of significant and urgent and immediate need. Uh, but then we also, you know, started the United by Community campaign to make sure that we were taking care of families at home. Um, and we had a resource center for people who were looking for help or wanted to help or just <laughs> needed activities for their families at home. Yeah. You know, we have six different online school programs for for four teams there so um yeah it's been it's been different right we really our day-to-day is a lot about health and wellness and movement and playing and sports and then we just moved to a place in media that immediately that was what do people need the most which is basic needs food shelter mental health support families like social service support um so we just kind of like most people did shift gears right away well and and I, i if you don't mind Take us back to essentially, which is the epicenter for, for pro sports, which is Rudy Gobert tests in Utah. The NBA shuts mm-hmm. down, I think it's March 12th on a Wednesday. You know, you talk about the four R's, you talk about all of this, but wh- when did you begin to assess your plan and who was involved in making the plan? Like, when did you begin the reaction, I guess? Yeah, I mean, we announced those plans on March 21st. Um, so as far as the creation of those plans, almost immediately. Okay. So, I mean, it wasn't the first thing that we did that day. We had no, no, no. But postponement of right. the NHL. But I would, I would say, you know, a day to two later, um, you know, you start to people started reaching out to us. You know, we we work with so many beneficiaries and charitable partners every year. We have like eighty different ones every year. Well, some okay. are the same, and some are different. But anyway. Yep. Um, so immediately people were reaching out to us for help. And uh, so, yeah, that was something that we started working on right away um, and identified 15 charities and more groups, right, that were delivering areas in what we felt were, were important. So that was food mobilization, shelter, um, family support services, vulnerable populations, um, and relief funding. So, so, yeah, I would say... You know, right away, you know, our United by a Campaign website uh, went out on March 27th. So we developed that whole website and all of those resources really, really quickly, thanks to, you know, a really talented team. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we know that people 
especially before the start of homeschooling, you know, it was a few yeah. weeks before school, they're like, okay, hey, we're ready to transition into computer-based learning. So especially during that flex time where it was just, people were just so like, what is happening here? Yeah. It's just such a foreign, yeah, foreign feeling. And, and, and I think it, it bears kind of repeating and explaining that you, while there are foundations and there are charities, yours is a bit unique in the sense that you have a board, but you're also tied directly to a professional sports organization. So, you know, kind of the, the way the vetting of information and then, and the approval of information is, is a little bit, a little bit different, right? It is, it is different and it is different to be a charity that raises funds and distributes funds. So good point. Yeah. 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 We are always actively raising funds, especially now we have, significant commitments that we have to the community. You know, we distribute $4 million a year. We're committed each year to our program uh, that you know a lot about. So we're trying really hard and we're going to really move into our fundraising push to make sure that we can, you know, um, we will. We'll always support those programs, but to make sure we're still raising funds for those programs, um, but also responding to the significant need in the city and in Southern Alberta um, in the areas that need it the most. So, and, and those are critical services the last two months, but we're going to make sure that we are there for the sporting community when families start to, you know, we get to a place and we're hopefully almost there where families and kids can start to play registered sports again and, and, and not registered sports, you know, just unstructured play. So we're going to try and really make sure that we're removing barriers, the new ones because of all this, or, you know, the ones that remain forever, you know, in the last however many years for a family, so that kids can get back to playing because we know how important that is in this whole recovery process. How much communication do you have with similar groups, similar bodies in the city, especially in this time? Has there been a lot of sharing of information, of, you know, joint projects? Has it been, has the, I guess, the nonprofit community kind of come together in this? For sure, for sure, for sure. And you talk about, um, you know, you look at that in sectors, and I'm not a, a specialist in any of these sectors, but especially during a time like like this or the flood where people are displaced or in urgent need, um, when you look at the mental health agencies, they're making sure that they are, uh, you know, there's a duplication of services and then there's collaboration of um, resources. So, and I think that the agencies have done a really good job at collaborating to make sure that, hey, you know, we have this here and group has this, you know, group B has this here. You know, um, when you look at the drop-in center and the mustard seed, um, and what they've done with their satellite sites and how they've successfully almost almost overnight uh, had adjusted their their shelters to make sure that they were properly distancing people by working together with all of their satellite sites. Like I think the same with CUPS, right? They work really close with CUPS. So I think the charities in Calgary have done a huge, huge need around food mobilization. And there are a lot of groups um, that work in that area. And I think those agencies have done a really good job at servicing uh, the community, but avoiding duplication where, where they can. So um, for sure, we're in touch with a lot of charities in Calgary, just sort of as a hub and a connector. Uh, and we speak to a lot of the ones that we work on, on a regular basis, especially now, now maybe more than ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of the hours in the day and all the different, because as I'm, as I'm unpeeling this onion, then tell me about working with the rest of the NHL clubs, because I do know there is a, a loose association and a loose affiliation and conversations going on all the time between foundations, right? There is, yeah. We have 
foundation calls. So all the NHL or the Canadian uh, foundations. And then we have the Western teams in the NHL community department um, meet regularly. And then we have NHL meetings. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of meetings with the NHL for every department. Those are the ones that I'm most involved in. So, and it's great. It's, uh, I mean, every region during this pandemic is operating so differently, specifically in the U.S. and Canada, but also regionally. You know, B.C. and Manitoba are doing something totally different than Alberta. So, but regardless, we're still idea sharing between the clubs. Uh, we share resources and ideas and what was successful here and what this group could be doing here. And that's been, it's been really helpful. You know, we've, we've gone back and forth with a lot of things that worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's been, it's great. And the NHL has just been so supportive through this with information and detailed um, plans where they can provide that to the clubs around messaging and proactive um, planning. So it's, uh, it's great. It's uh the sports community is such a special one, and so is the NHL and hockey. And and yeah. if that wasn't enough, you also work with the players, right? The players that want to do things in the community. That's another just, you know, because there's 28 hours in a day. Why wouldn't you do that? But part, yeah. that's kind of – that's another part of this, right? Yeah, it is. Um, it's really interesting. We talk about – missed milestones a lot in one of the ramifications of um, this for kids. And, you know, it is, there's, there's so much to consider about the impact of, of this pandemic, but uh, we look at kids a lot and kids who aren't going to school, they're not playing on playgrounds or haven't been, obviously those just open, but they are just, you know, it's quite impactful. And they're also, it's just such a big part of this, but anyway, so we've got, we talk about milestone missing and anniversaries and birthdays and people who are supposed to get married and graduations. Like there's just um, so many special occasions that people have had to alter or just miss. And um, the amount of requests that we have gotten for players to assist with those missing milestones, you know, I can't say countless because you could count them, <laughs> but it is... It is a high, high, high number. You know, we right. do have a spreadsheet and it is the players have just been so generous with their time as far as recording videos and participating in birthday parades and FaceTiming um, adults, kids, seniors, you name it, participating in, you know, virtual bingo and virtual, you know, we've had, you know, players participating in virtual um, not the Zed classes, but everything that people have adapted to take place on Zoom. Yeah. You know, we, and uh, that, that's the same for a hockey staff. So it's been, you know, people are like, well, what else are they going to do? But, but they have families at home. They have, they're still training, right? That it's, it's, they have been doing a lot. And it's, uh, it's really nice to see that they're being so active still. And that's important. And just saying all the right things, right? It's, you know, um, just really positive messages about staying positive, staying active, um, yeah, and a lot of congratulatory messages as well. That's just, you know, we just get a few videos and you forget being so close to it, how yeah. much athletes can mean to people and families and you see their reactions and you see, you know, tears and screams and laughs and you're like, that's just what it's about, right? That's, uh, that's such a huge part of sports is that um, idolization and mentorship and, and, and those things. But but I, I, one thing that I would like to kind of bring to the surface as well is, you know, we're very blessed in CSEC to have players in all four teams that are committed to, 
to community endeavors and, and causes. Mm-hmm. And that that that's still active here in the pandemic. But you guys have to play a role. You guys help with that, play a role with that. Uh, Brad Tree Living delivered pizzas, right, to, to uh, I believe, the mustard seed. Um, yep. There's a role for you. Mark Giordano, I believe Mark has purchased equipment, computers and things like that. You probably had something to do with that too, right? Yeah, I mean, Mark and Lauren have been incredibly oh, generous. Absolutely. They've been working with a group in Calgary and, you know, donating and providing everything from computers to groceries to diapers. Um, you know, Sam Bennett made a really generous donation to Brown Begging for Calgary Kids, which is delivering, you know, gift cards for groceries to families. Michael Backlin almost immediately made a donation to the ALS Society, him and Frida, uh, which is their charity, but, you know, we're... Um, very vocal about wanting to make sure that that community was still receiving support. Um, Johnny and Buddy right away hosted their online gaming fundraising thing. <laughs> I'm obviously explaining that wrong, um, but where people donated and yeah. they, yeah, yeah. you know, broadcasted their video game competition. So for for Occupied um, Cancer, because they both wanted to make sure that that community was being supported. I mean, they've been, our players have just been, you know, as always, tremendous advocates for of support and then for their work and, and with the charities that they already are working with or haven't worked before and are now. So clearly you and your staff are one of the few departments that have been busier now than you were before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you work in community and like uh, all of our community stuff is usually busier when we're not playing. When the players have an off day, they're in the community. Right. Um, when they have, you know, when it's, Obviously, the off season, off season, and not very—they don't not necessarily working here, but or, I mean, living here. But there's just such significant need and such an overwhelming. Um, we've had such an overwhelming amount of requests for for their support. They've been, you know, it, it has. It's been very busy. Alumni too, right? It's just yesterday we were out delivering food to seniors and Perry Bears on and Harvey the Hound came along, but we delivered seventy-five. Um, lunches to seniors as part of seniors lunch and that was a part of a donation that Haria had received so uh, stuff like that we've been participating in and organizing a lot of just really nice nice things <laughs> yeah yeah but the, the the part that impresses me the most is you do all of this but you still do it with you know kind of a focus right there's there's a reason to do it there's a message to do it. There's, you know, and, and I'm, my assumption is you can't do everything, right? But it sure seems like you're doing most of it. Yeah, it is. We've tried to, and we have categorized it into those phases. So we have, you know, right away we had, you know, this is what's important to us. This is what's important right now is making sure people are fed and clothed and sheltered. Um, and we're taking care of their mental health. Like that's, you know, and that we're providing the resources that we can to families at home who are struggling with or adapting not necessarily struggling with uh with working from home or not working losing their jobs so we've we've just we've tried to really phase that as far as you know what our emphasis is for for community initiatives and funding and now we're moving into sports again which is where we live usually yeah and making sure that that community is supported in that um and and not professional sports not amateur sports even just playing like we just know that they're we're talking about the potential decline in participation in sports and what we can do to mitigate that and make sure that we are removing barriers for families to participate, which is not just financial. We know that people, especially with multiple children, have 
you know, it's okay to slow down and we've all slowed down no matter what, no matter if we're still busy, we're, we have slowed down, we've stayed at home and we know that that's a different case for people and that there are a lot of reasons why people not, may not rush back to registering for programs, um, you know, time intensive or not. Who, who makes something like that a priority, he asked kind of knowingly. Um, you know, why, why is that? There's many things, directions that you could to go in, and, and you would be, you know, credited for doing it. There's there's no shortage of need, but the the idea of being there to promote sport when we come out of this, being there to promote participation and assist in that, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we I think we, like many groups have, we've done a lot of research in the area. We know how important sport and activity and recreation is to the. To a young person's life. We know what utilization of free time means for, you know, a preteen, adolescent, or a young child when it comes to healthy habits and how you choose to spend your time in your critical years. When it comes to high school and junior high, we know what sports does. Um, we know that that's a positive activity and not a negative activity, and it sways kids away from negative activities. Um, we know that, you know, the things that we talk about all the time in our world, we do a research study all the every year on our YMCA program, which is a program that provides free memberships for all grade sixers in the city. But every year we collect data around, did, did a child learn a sport? And we do it for the alumni as well. So any child that's graduated from that program, not any, some of them. Um, are they still participating in a sport that they learned at the Y that they might not have tried otherwise? Did they have the confidence to try out for a team in grade seven or grade eight? Did they make new friends? You know, school is not a great place for every kid. You know, some kids don't like school. Some kids have negative social interactions in school and the YMCA is a different safe place for you to go to just as a distraction, whether you're having a positive or negative uh, time in school and you know you learn independence you learn how to lose you learn how to share yeah. right just all of those things that sports brings leadership um, it, it's just so important and um, pandemic or not we always promote that that's an important part of a child's life and not every kid likes sports I have a little sister she's knows four languages she's a wonderful artist she plays the guitar and um but those are still extracurricular activities that we support participation in, whether that's, you know, through the YMCA or otherwise, it's just hobbies and positive habits. Um, you know, we really focus on play, but it's, there's so much more than that. So, and we know how important that's going to be in the rebuilding of our community um, and families. Talk a little bit about capacity and, and, you know, all due respect, you, I, I can only imagine the asks and and I can only imagine the, you know, the the decision making process and and all the things you go through. And ultimately, in some cases, there's probably I'd never say with you a hard no. I can't see Candace Gowdy ever saying hard no. But you know, at some point, there's only so much and only so many resources. How do you manage capacity? Yeah. And we have this debate all the time, as I'm sure lots of organizations and charities do when you talk about quality over quantity. Um, and can you have both? And, and do you have both? And we kind of, we divide what we do. And we're lucky enough that we work with four teams. We have four different charities um, and in a variety of different ways to support. So one is financial. Um, one is through, you know, ambassadorship through players or alumni. Um, and one is through brand recognition, so promoting a charity or an event or social media plugs. So we try not to 
I mean, obviously we have some partnerships that are strong that are our, our, our programs, so Flames programs. But then other than that, you know, we just, we can't commit everything to everyone. So you might not qualify for funding, but you might qualify for X, Y, or Z, or you might not qualify. Um, you know, usually we try and spread the wealth, yeah. uh, which is, can be confusing to a donor. We do a lot. <laughs> so, but I mean, we also donate between three and $4 million a year. And then have, you know, 27 different community programs. So it's just size, right? It's just size, but we try and be consistent with what we prioritize at all times, uh, which are families and youth, um, health and wellness, sports, education. Those are our priorities with an emphasis on youth. And we make sure that we're always working within what we're prioritizing. Uh, and then that would be, the, those, those kind of projects would be what we would provide more to. And then we would just, we would always try to help other ones. You you talked about it earlier, and and I'm acutely aware of it with Kids Sport and Heroes and some other groups that I'm associated with. The challenge of fundraising, right now, and and kind of post recovery period. How as someone who works in this space, what are you looking at? What are you anticipating? How how big a challenge is fundraising going to be moving forward? Oh, it's hard to think about. It really is, and it's hard to think about for us. Uh, we, you know, our largest fundraisers are 50-50, which, yep. you know, yeah, who knows, right? Um, as far as mass, mass, mass collections of people in a building, uh, our poker tournament and our golf tournament both have 500 people in one room. So uh, looking at our future, we have, you know, contingency plans, uh, which is just a part of, you know, our strategy building in the yep. past. Yep. But um, we're looking at online raffles. We're looking at, like most groups, virtual events. We're looking at different kinds of fundraisers, but we also look at our charitable partners, and we know how many groups have lost events, how many groups have lost donors, how many groups have lost corporate sponsorship. I mean, I think that we will start to see you know, mergers of charities, um, mergers of organizations. You know, obviously, we've seen a lot of loss of resources when it comes to cutting expenses but it's going to be hard um and we know that you know and we have funds set aside for through our grant application program to to help charities that are in you know significant need and serve you know mutual goals but it's uh you know it's, it's going to be a hard adjustment for a lot of groups and, and we know that that's coming and we're going to do the best that we can to help out calgary and the charities that are making it that make so many calgary such a wonderful place to live for so many different groups. So I, it's that time of the podcast where I've got to promote something and then I want you to promote something and then we'll carry on with our conversation. Sport Calgary yeah. acts as a resource for sports organizations with a ton of information available at sportcalgary.ca. Learn about community and coaching resources, research, jobs, and of course the latest in Calgary sport. Now you can promote United by Community because we, there's lots of stuff there, right? Mm-hmm. There is. Yep, for all four teams. Do I have to say it like an ad? No. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't be saying it like an ad. So why should you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it didn't sound like an ad. It was super natural. Uh, but uh, yeah, the United Bike Community is every team has the United Bike Community page. So with CSEC team, it's it's www.calgaryflames.com backslash United Bike Community. Uh, and the same would go for all of the other teams. So hitmanhockey.com backslash United dash by dash community for the rest of them. 
and those are team-specific resources. So the teams, each um, each one of them, have worked really hard on developing unique and fun and fresh and useful content for those pages, which are full of player messages, videos. I mean, we're starting, not starting, we have, but we've seen a different side of our teams as far as their personalities and what they're doing at home. The other day, Milan Lucic was releasing videos with his toenails painted, right, from his daughter, and you're just like, just the introspect to their lifestyles and their home life is um, kind of new. Yep, right? for That's sure. Just, yeah, and they're doing new things at home as well, just like all of us, and it's uh, it's been really interesting. But anyway, the pages are full of mental health support, um, workouts at home, kids' activities at home, school programs, coloring pages, um, just lots of really great resources. I mean, I, I go on there, there's links to watch the pandas of the zoo. I mean, they're gone now, but there was. So Calvin every day, panda, 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 panda. So it's, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're really good collaborative community resource sites. And I get good time to point out partnership too with classroom champions, a Calgary company or a Calgary group, yeah. I should say that Steve Messler started. And that's been kind of fun watching the players participate in that with some other athletes. So that's been kind of cool too. Very cool. The videos on there are awesome. You can access the Classroom Champions, all four teams, CSEC, um, through the United by Community pages. Amazing social-emotional learning uh, from athletes. And it's uh, they're just such positive messages, and they're useful, and they're something that, that kids should hear, each and every one of them. Um, super short, most of them. It's just they're really good. Yeah. Really, the classroom champions do such a great job. Yeah, no, and I think it's been a, yeah. it's been great. In, in it's been a positive of what's gone on is to be able to to create that kind of content. All right, you mentioned your sister before is not an athlete, doesn't like sports, an artist, and speaks four languages. What about you? What what were you doing growing up? Were you were you into sport? What, what were you playing? Yeah, I mean. She's an athlete, so well, she's not too bad. She's like loves to run. Anyway, she <laughs> I grew up um, playing soccer. Okay. Yeah. I um yeah, and uh, I run now. Yeah, I've always been I've been a runner for a long time. Bike. I love to exercise. I just movement is so important to me in my life. It's like mm-hmm. really tied to my happiness. You know, I'm one of those people if I haven't worked out or I haven't moved enough, I just get in a really bad mood. And, you know, yep. I, whoever in my life will be, will, you know, my mom or, you know, Mark, he'll say, get, can you just go and for a run or something? I'm really angry. So, and I think that that's, you know, it's my outlet for sure. Um, but I, yeah, I grew up, I had a, you know, grew up in Calgary. I, uh, I'm really sympathetic to youth who need adjusted learning settings. I had a really hard time learning as a kid. Um, so I'm really sympathetic to the outlet that sports and activity provide for a kid that might be overactive <laughs> and what that might do in a, a classroom setting for a child who has a hard time paying attention and can't stop moving, which I was. So I am uh, very sympathetic to adjusted learning settings and the role that activity can play in education for a young kid and how they um, interact with the classroom. So it's uh Anyway, that was a long-winded answer. No, it was a great, it was a great answer. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So how far did you take soccer? How far did you play, or, or how far did you pursue it? Until high school. Okay. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, I was in a really big accident after high school. Uh, I crashed my dirt bike, 
<laughs> that seems like an activity too. So you, you were active there too, obviously. Uh, yeah, yes, I did have a really bad dirt bike accident. I broke like seven vertebrae and lost my lungs and broke all my teeth. Anyway, I uh, had to like sit out on life for like a year <laughs> and recover. So I just um, didn't really play after that. I didn't play a whole lot in high school either, really, to be honest. You get into different things in high school, which is part of why it's so important. I know there's such a big push to keep girls specifically in sports, in junior high, in high school. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I know what I was doing in high school. I probably should have been in a sport. Um, so it just it speaks volumes about what that can do for a young person. You are part of the David Leg Mount Royal Mafia. Um, so clearly you went to post-secondary with an eye on sport? I, yeah, yeah, I did. So I was really interested in journalism when I started high school. Um, I had a teacher that, that introduced me to journalism. Mm. Uh, I, was a little, I was a little lost academically, and, um, but loved to write. So I became extremely involved with journalism. And then after school, uh, I took communications and went into PR first. Okay. I didn't go to school until I w- until I was older. I took like three years off and traveled and worked. But um, and then I moved into David Lake program, so the sport business. When it was an applied degree, a year after PR, so I've got a unique combination of a degree, which which fits perfectly with my job now. Um, but yes. I had my eye on sports. I went into his class the first day and said, you know, I want to work for the Calgary Flames. He said, okay, it's a tough place to get into, but, uh, you know, work really hard. I bet you'll be there. And, um, yeah, so he did. So, uh, so your first love him, are you? So your first day you declared that you were going to work, I probably at the time it wasn't CSEC, it would become CSEC, but you were, that's, you were coming to the dome. That's, that was the end goal. For sure. Yeah, I wanted to work uh, either for the Calgary Flames or in Invermere or a ski hill. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Those were the two directions that I wanted that I had my eye on, but I, 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 Calgary Flames was my front runner. Um, So, yes, that was, you know, my dream job. Okay, but, but that's Which I got. as you and I both know, and maybe people don't appreciate from the outside. Saying you want to work for the Calgary Flames is is not narrowing the edge of the knife, right? Like it's still a very broad. But what were when you were thinking at that point? What department? Where were you going to work? You know, it's so funny, and I talk to students a lot. Um, and in my head, you know, I I wanted to work in communications yeah. and marketing. Uh, I was most interested in communications. That's what I went into first. Uh, and I just didn't see a lot of inroads into sports or the flames. So I had moved into sport and rec because I knew I wanted to work in sport and recreation. So, um, yeah. And when I started with the flames, I just remember, and, and especially now, you know, I've been there 13 years and the growth is just, you know, it's crazy to look how much the organization has grown. But I remember just being in shock, being like, well, I didn't know there was these jobs. Like I just, whether it was sponsorship or activations or, um, you know, promotions, game night, like there was just so much. And I was, I remember being like, oh, I have like, this is crazy. Like I just, you know, you think about working somewhere, oh, I can work in finance or marketing and comms or HR, right? You're like, that's, those are the jobs you could have when you're, you know, in school and thinking about them. But then it being exposed to the organization, you're like, holy, there are so many cool jobs and roles and teams now. Um, 
yeah, it's just uh, it's an incredible industry to be in. I'm very grateful. So you graduate yep. from Mount Royal. Yep. And you go to work at the Flames, or I um, and I have a pretty cool story. <laughs> how I got, how I started there. But um, Davis Program was doing a project in which you had to create a sales plan for the Hitman, actually. Okay. And uh, at that time, it was just the Flames and the Hitman was uh, was the organization. And he went in, he did this like Dragon Den type presentation of your pitch and what you're going to do and the activations and how it would work and how much revenue you projected it would result in. Anyway, so I did that to a group of who now looking at was quite high up. You know, it was our marketing director, Ken Rowley, so our VP of sales, our president, and then uh, right after I did that, they had a job opening, very junior job opening in their marketing department that they had uh, contacted me about. So I started right away. I, you know, I was still had a lot of school left. I finished <laughs> school at night, um, which was tough to work nights and go to school at night. But yeah, so that's, uh, and I mean, it's just we, now we have all sorts of interns that work at the dome that end up in you know specific yep. positions and yep. it's, a, it's a good it's a great organization to grow through and learn from and um you know i worked with ken for so long and he just taught me a lot um so i've had such tremendous mentors there it's yeah. been yeah yeah mm-hmm. 2007 you're tied into the foundation is that about right yeah, I um, started in 06, 07, and I moved into the foundation in 2011. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Thanks. so I'm a little ahead of myself. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I at the for a big chunk of my job, we didn't have anyone in the foundation, so I did a lot of it. Yeah. Um, in four, yeah, but it was so small. It's just the whole organization has grown so much. But when I started, you know, we were raising and distributing one to two million dollars, yeah. and now we're we're raising and distributing three to four. Um, which is not, that's not to say that that's a result of me. That's our growth. Um, oh, I, that's the growth I, of the organization. That's the growth of our boards and our groups and our committees and our volunteer base and our 50-50. You know, yeah. we've got a whole new platform. It's just, uh, yeah, the organization is. I, yeah. would la- I would lay some of that at your feet. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I would. <laughs> um, but what I want to know is, and I'm not sure I'm describing this correctly, and and you can correct me if I am misrepresenting it, but when did it go, when did the foundation go from kind of a nice to have to it's part of the bit, like it's a must have, like the, the foundation to me, at least from an outsider and now an insider, it, it seemed like, wow, this is really cool. That's neat that they're doing it to, you have a corporate responsibility to be there. Is Is that a fair way of describing it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and part of the growth, right? Uh, the more you earn, the more you can do, right? The more we earn, the more we can distribute and the more that we can initiate and the more right. we can support the city and the community. And I think, um, you know, we got the online, or not online, we got the 5050 in which was so interactive uh, on the screens and, you know, a technological device versus the paper tickets. You know, our 5050 has doubled since then and um, our golf and poker tournaments have doubled we just we've we've raised more, so we've been able to do more, and we changed or pivoted our model. Um, you know, we we 
and just it's just it's just how much you have to distribute, right? So so we moved very very we, we moved away from making donations, which we still do. Mm-hmm. I guess we just added creating programs. Right. Um, so so we started to work with groups and create a number of programs that we could have a strong call to action for um, that were um, more broad. So so less less medical research, less donations that are we couldn't activate on and, and more programs that were for our families and kids and, um, you know, accessibility, inclusion, the removing of barriers for participation. Um, but still at the same time, you know, we built the Rotary Flames House, um, Flames Community Arenas, I don't know, 15 different rinks in Calgary, outdoor rinks. Yep. So, but I would call that transition around, you know, 2013, 2014, we started doing that. Our players, you know, every year or specific years become, have been so active uh, and have really upped their game there, which is, uh, you know, every donation they make, the Calgary Flames Foundation supports up to 25 grand. I think we started that in about 2014 or 2015. So, so, so many of our players have been incredibly active in the community, not just financially, but just through some of the programs that they've created. Uh, so yeah, it is. It's a really important part of our business, and it's something, you know, our owners are just. I always, they're just, you know, they're just extremely humble, generous people. They are incredible people, and the stories, just interacting with them is such a gift. Like I just, you, you watch Jeff McKeg speak, and you're just, he doesn't have. A little, like he just—he's so humble and so generous and so thoughtful. You know, you just mm-hmm. you go back to square one of being a child, where it's so important to know people's names and ask them how they're doing and know what people's lives are like. It's just they are amazing people, and that's where it starts. You know, we have tremendous leadership, um, you know, on the management team and, and John and incredible people that own the Flames. Yeah, and you know what? If I could re-ask, exactly. the, if I could re-ask the question, I probably would because I think the one thing that is is needs to be noted is it's we're celebrating forty years, I guess, of, of Flames hockey in the sense that they moving to Atlanta. But from day one, the owners were always philanthropic. The alumni has always been philanthropic. I think my question was based more on maybe the business of hockey, the league itself. Um, just how people view professional sports teams. I think it's it's gone from you know the Flames were always there, but now it's it's kind of a given, right? Yeah, and I mean the interactive the interactive piece with social media is just so different. It's so different yeah. the stories that we're able to tell. So I think that the the increase in exposure to the work that maybe we were doing before and that our alumni and owner owners were doing before, um, we just have the ability to tell that story more. Yeah. So whether there is an increase or not, we we can just uh, we have that channel now to tell people, you know, all of the all of the good stuff that these groups are doing, and our alumni is just also the most giving, large, participatory volunteer body ever. Like they're just <laughs> so gracious with their time, um, and it's uh, you know we're just so lucky to have them in Calgary, and they're just doing amazing things. They all are doing amazing things. Like it's just. Sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around the, all the good that there is in that group. Well, it's it's a legacy, yeah. and and I think yeah. the big thing it's it's easy for two you know two people to work for the team to say this, but there's not too many equivalents out there. It's not like you know there's other alumni associations, and I take nothing away from them, but there's nothing quite like the Flames Alumni Association. 
No, no. And I feel like they're arm's length enough for us to be able to, to express that, but I, um, they are. And they, you know, the other thing is they don't just, they ne- they're not just responding to the request that they receive. They're creating, they're, they've, they've created charities. They've created, you know, programs, events. They, they're just such drivers behind using their group and who they are to, to, to make a difference and to, to use their platform. It's, uh, it's really, it's just uh, they all the time. It's like, they're just so wonderful. Yeah. Where did you develop? Where did you develop your leadership style? You you talked a little bit about mentorship, and you mentioned Ken and and some others. But who are the people that influenced you in terms of the way you were are going to lead or the way you do lead? Yeah, you know, I love to study leadership. I think it's such a skill, and I think it's so important. Um, you know, just in life and and business professionally, and I love to study leadership. So I've read a ton of leadership books. I really like to attach myself to people that um, I think are good leaders that mm-hmm. I can learn from. I, I really watch people. You know, I'm very, I'll, I'll watch how chairs operate. You know, I'll watch how meetings are operated. I'll watch how teams are operated and motivated. You know, motivating people is such a, uh, you know, it's, it's just something to talk about all the time in leadership is like how to motivate a team, how to motivate a person, how to motivate different personalities. Um, and it's really hard. And, uh, and I love to study that. So, I mean, as far as mentorship, I, um, you know, I've been with the flames for a really long time and I've learned a ton from Ken King and a ton from John Bean and lots from Rolly Steer. Um, I've also attached myself to other leaders externally, uh, through different businesses. We've got, you know, through my role, I've got to be able to, to be exposed to some tremendous leaders and they don't have to be in charge of businesses or VPs. You know, we have wonderful leaders in some of the female groups um, that I'm a part of or, you know, women in business. So it's, yeah. I mean, I couldn't pinpoint one specific place. It's something that I love to learn about and study people and the way that they do that. It's uh, just such an interesting thing, especially when you have a large group of people. Yeah. And that's, yeah. You can just go back to sports, right? And look at captains and yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, you you've been around two pretty impressive captains, right? <laughs> you know, yep. and, and a quarterback, quarterbacks that are really impressive. I mean, there's there's no shortage of on the field, off the field to learn from, right? Totally. It is. It is and I mean, that's part of being in sports too, but that's part of any organization, large or small. Yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. it's really yeah, it's really important to identify the way that Identify a mentor, and, and mentorship doesn't have to be sitting down and talking to someone every week about how to make the best decisions. But I think learning how to make the best decision possible is very hard. It's you know being in any leadership position, you have to make hard decisions um, and strategies. And I think it's really important to find people or a person or a group of people that you can learn from you know we all it doesn't matter how old we are we just have so much learning to do so what what is it about calgary um and i've had this conversation with katrina lemay don't i've had this conversation with mary moran cheryl bernard cassie you're part of it why so many strong female leaders in sport in and and something we still need to work on but not necessarily i mean uh, probably here in calgary too but here in Calgary, we seem to have some of the best, and you know, in the world, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I grew up here. I'm from Calgary. I'm a bit biased, but I think that Calgary is a really good city. I mean, I think it's progressive. I think it's innovative. I think it um, nurtures a lot of uh, tolerance and um, change, you know, positive change. And even though sometimes it doesn't get the rap for that, I think it's still a really small community, even though it's a big city. And I think that there um, is really forward-thinking leaders in this city, and there are vocal leaders who have urged the importance, um, you know, specifically for female leaders. But I think that that's also, uh, you know, those groups specifically are, are huge sports groups, and it's wonderful to see that there's a diversity at the top. Um, so yeah, you know, I don't, I couldn't pinpoint what it is about Calgary. I just think that this community is, uh, is does a lot of things right. You know, we don't do everything right. And right. I'm not saying that it's right in every organization for sure. But I think that we, um, yeah, I think that we can think of ourselves as leaders in Canada when it comes to, yeah. <laughs> no, it just, it, 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 you know, it's funny because before the pandemic, uh, Sport mm-hmm. Calgary hosted and the chamber hosted a, a conversation about, you know, female leadership and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you begin to have that conversation and you go, there's some pretty damn good leaders in Calgary. Like, you yeah, know, sure. I, and I'm not going to pick on other cities, but, and I'm sure there are in other cities. I just don't know if there's the density of it and the breadth of it. Like it's, it is pretty impressive, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the pandemic and our top doctors right now are both females, so nationally and regionally. Um, it's just, uh, and it's just great to shine a light on those roles and those females and the job that they do. Um, and that, you know, whether that's a result of change or it's just, uh, it's good. The world is going through some hard times right now, but it will lead the way to adjustments for right you know positive adjustments for our families and our and our culture so it's uh it's a good it's a good thing what what's coming up i mean behind you you know you're active i believe you're active with mount royal and and you're active in a lot of community groups what are you what are you seeing in terms of the young people that are coming up behind even in play even the ones that work for you like again there's lots of really good talent around right now it seems there are, yeah, there is, and it's just, um, this is probably a generational thing, and I'm sure there's things like, but I always feel old now, and I feel um, like the generation below me is so talented, right? So it's just, it, it, yeah, I guess maybe that's new for me. I'm not that old, but but like our, our new <laughs> no, you're generation not. that's coming into the workforce is, is so talented and things that I don't know, um, which is so refreshing. You know, it's... Uh, Every year is, yeah, I mean, it's just you look at the workforce and how communications change and how marketing especially changes and how that's like a foreign language to me now and um, how talented and um, and different the generation below us is. It's a, it's a good thing, right? It's, it's good to have diverse skill sets and thought processes and experiences and generations when it comes to collaboration in a room and it's uh it's really you know we've got a a group coming up that is you know they uh you know have social issues top of mind you know almost all the time um they're advocates uh it's very very smart you know they're learning things in university that are going to be so important to the workforce 
it next year, this year, right now, two years from now, five years from now. Um, so it's exciting. It's really exciting to to get a lens into what that generation of students is going to bring to the workforce in Calgary and you know Canada very, very soon. Oh, and they already are, right? We're already seeing that and we have been seeing that forever as, as we get older. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. What what's the future? You know, not necessarily for Candace, but what's the future in in your industry, in your in your world, as you look ahead? I mean, not you know, we've got recovery coming up and rebuild. I get that, but you know, four or five years down the road, what are the the opportunities that you see out there? Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have a new event center. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's very CSEC and Calgary specific, um, but we we really want to emphasize movement. You know, uh, Ken's big thing was motivate, educate, inspire, uh, and help. And, uh, you know, I just mentioned Ken because he's just so involved in our charity, but an organization, obviously. But the more, you know, we talk about kids and how sedative their life can be now in screen time and addiction technology, right? And I don't know if that's going to get better or worse uh, <laughs> over time but we're going to continue in the next two to five years putting a real emphasis on movement um, and play and health, uh, which doesn't have to be specific to sports or movement, right? We're very, very, very invested in the Rotary Flames House um, and with the Kids Cancer Care. And, you know, um, and we will continue to be, you know, when it comes to the wellness, wellness programs that are more, you know, health, health focused around illness. But uh, yeah, we're just going to continue to work on removing barriers for families to participate and have access to some of the great things in Calgary, inclusion, accessibility, right? Where um, accessibility is a huge thing and whether we're working with outdoor rinks on how to make their rinks more accessible, uh, we're gonna continue to try and we've all got work to do and we're gonna continue to prioritize those areas. Yeah, there's no doubt you can't, you know, we're all aware of the world that's going on around us right now, and and there's there's lots of challenges. But I, I, I think more from the opportunity standpoint of you know, kind of that example I gave. You know, I I just think the the importance of being connected to the community has never been greater, and it, and it's it's good, but it's also good for business, and it's also damn it, it's the right thing to do. And I I don't think mm-hmm. that changes moving forward. As a matter of fact, I think that probably becomes more important moving forward, doesn't it? Absolutely. We want to be leaders in this community, CSEC and our foundations, and we want to be collaborators. We want to be joining point A and D together. We want to be a hub. We want to be a community group. We want to be a community resource. Um, We want to bring charities together. We want to assist with, um, you know, the collaboration of services for groups. We really, we want to be community leaders and we're going to be working really hard to continue or to try to be um, just, you know, whether that's providing program and support, but more, you know, with our peers as well, with the city is just uh, collaboration is so important in a big city, small town. And, you know, it is a small community here. And there are, there's just so much that we can do for each other that's mutually beneficial um, organizationally wise. So we really, really want to move forward and continue to try and be leaders in this space and in, in a number of spaces with three different sports, you know, in CSAC, four different teams. Um, so we're going to continue to try to be quite collaborative and ensure that we're, we're, we're trying to be leaders in Calgary. 
I got to be careful how I ask this because it may sound like I'm on an agenda. I mean, I do have an agenda, but it's not in question with an agenda. Um, do you think moving forward that that you have a seat at the table do you, in terms of decision making and planning and those types of things? You and I are both parts of Active City and the collective and, you know, we're all on boards and, and have voices. But is, is there a greater perhaps clarity coming for the role of CSEC in, in terms of decision-making and policy-making and that type of thing? Or is that something that we need to stay out of? You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say we should stay out of it, but it's not necessarily our place. Yeah, We obviously like to influence and speak about what is what we feel are is helpful or beneficial to Calgarians. Um, but it's not necessarily our place to be influencing governance change, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, change I, or just, yeah. I, I do. I'm just, I guess, Candace, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm trying to figure out where we're at. Because I think we're doing mm-hmm. some really cool things. I think the pandemic is going to force us to take a look at the way we've been doing things. And I, you've talked about just the need to get back out and play. And more and more and more I hear, like, maybe we need to dial the structure back a little bit. Maybe we need to you know, bring the schedules down a little bit. Maybe sport's going to look a little bit different moving forward for a while. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think we have the, as you know, and we've had this conversation, we have the competing forces of for-profit, non-profit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I just, yeah. you know, I'm I just very curious about the world we live in right now when it comes to grassroots sports. And, I mean, just look at the relationship Hockey Calgary has, right? Like, Hockey Calgary yep. and, the, and the foundation are are very close in terms of the work that you do. Like, there's constant communication going on there, right? Absolutely. And, Rob, you know what I think it is? I think we're going to try really hard um, to to – change not change we're going to try and diversify what we what we can provide so i think that we will try really hard to work with groups to provide other options so if sport is changing which it is and probably always will be we want to work with groups on helping it change so you don't want to play hockey across the city four times a week at crazy hours no problem not for you you don't have to there's options a b and c or you don't want to play contact football no problem Here's how you get into flight football. Um, so we want to work with groups on making sure that we're supporting participation by, you know, and you talk about barriers and we say barriers a lot. We don't necessarily mean financial. Uh, those aren't the barriers that we're talking about. Those can be lifestyle. They can be societal. They can be family. Um, so they, they can be physical, right? So, right. And we're trying to work on, yeah. So we do say removing barriers a lot and we don't mean financial all the time you know it's one of them um so we want to as far as having a seat at the table and a voice we want to be working with our partners to influence um what's the inventory (laughs) yeah the inventory of sports and making sure that one size doesn't fit all and one group or team or association doesn't make sense for everyone so we're trying to really create programs that make sense yeah you can't have something for everyone but you can for sure have options that fit in in this bucket, in this bucket, in this bucket, so that there's more of one way to play. In- interesting world we live in, though, right? Because connected to hockey, clearly connected to lacrosse, clearly connected to football, mm-hmm. clearly, right? Like there's a, it's a it's a broad scope. Let alone connected yep. to, commu- to to education, right? And as yeah. you say, health. That's the one thing I, you know, I, I hope people don't ever listen and go, why health? Why hell? Like sport and health are 
intermixed. If we could only, you know, do something that that everybody understands that if we just were promoting sport and all playing sport and had it in school, the benefits down the road. That's the long play here. Absolutely, and and health is such. I mean, health in itself is so broad. Yeah, um, and that's we're, true. We're supportive of it in a lot of ways. I mean, we also work with a lot of groups who are, um, who are sick. You know, there are lots of charities sure. that that need help for families who might um, be impacted by illness, and that's part of health too, and and an important need and and support pillar for us. So, two coworkers talking here. Um, but I want to know where you want to be in 10 years. Can I, can I slot you in somewhere? Can I put you as, you know, a VP or a president in the NHL? Can I put you in politics? Um, are you going to buy a cabin and retreat into the woods, never to be heard from again? <laughs> I could. That's definitely an option. I would be into that. But, um, yeah, you know, I love sports. I just um, operated a specific in a specific way as far as the way that I like to work day to day. And I just love working in sports. There's an energy uh, in sports. And, and to be fair, I have worked in sports for almost my whole life. <laughs> so, so I guess, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have a lens into a lot of other industries, but, or any other industries, but I would like to remain in sports. Um, I, I love CSEC. You know, I love what we do and what we stand for and what we're working on. So, I mean, I don't, uh, yeah. So I, in 10 years, I would like to be in sports. I, I love leadership. I would like to be in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and working with leaders. But, yeah, you don't have to be in a leadership. You don't have to be in a leadership position to be a leader either. So nope. um, I guess that that doesn't necessarily matter. No, you certainly don't. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So my last one for you, no parameters. Here it is. I write it down so I don't forget it. Candace, I would like you to give me your hidden Calgary gem. <sighs> hidden Calgary gem. Um, any gem? Any gem. No parameters. You know, yeah, it could just be nostalgia. I should think about it a bit more. <laughs> There's a reason I put you on the spot, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, immediately, I grew up in Canyon Meadows. Um, so I spent a lot of time in a park called Babbling Brook Park. Yep. And it's uh, near, well, anyway, it's in, it's near Robert Warren, but it's in Canyon Meadows, and I love it. I love it. when I, I loved it when I was a child, and I spent every day of my childhood in that park, in those trees. Um, and I just love it. I think it's a, a great place in Calgary. It's quite small. Um, but then Fish Creek Park, which is just, you know, the end of Bowling Brook sort of goes into Fish Creek Park in the south. And I think that those are such fun places to spend time alone or with your family, right? That's just yep. the, the thing about the pandemic. You see so, so many people on their bike, right? There's just so many people biking and maybe they'll stick to biking, right? I know I've been on my bike a ton more, but I love, um, I love Bowling Brook and I love Fish Creek. I think those are really special places. The parks and pathways in Calgary are exceptional. Uh, I hope that people have, have got a chance to get out and um, experience them, but those are that's an area that I grew up in, so I think I have some nostalgia connected to both of those places, but I just love Fish Creek. Um, yep. Love it. Love it. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
You are an inspiration. You are a mentor. You are all so many things. There, I, there are not enough hours in the day for me to thank you for everything that you've done in this community and certainly to help with the programs that we're related to. So thank you for doing this. It's thank been you, fun to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, very fun. Thank you for having me on. I didn't even get to ask you anything. I was like, is this you know, rhetorical? Did we go back and forth? Well, you can go back and forth. It was never meant to be that way. You can ask me anything you oh, want. No, you know I'm that. I know. I know. I know. Thanks, Candace. Okay, thanks so much, Rob. Candice is uh, uh, just a huge, huge proponent of sport, as you hear in there, uh, and is, is along with the foundations uh, at CSEC is going to play a large role in recovery, already has uh, millions of dollars that have been poured into the community uh, by the foundation and uh, almost a million and a half plus uh, just during the last three months to aid with the pandemic. So really proud to, to work alongside Candace, but more proud to be able to share this podcast and this conversation with you. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you like this, please share it. Uh, go ahead and subscribe at Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We are back. We've got a ton of very special. We're over the 50 podcast mark now, which is kind of a neat barrier to get to, but we got lots of stories left to tell. Can't wait to share them with you. I'm Rob Kerr. This has been the original Six Feet Conversation Podcast, sportcalgary.ca. Thank you.